Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 22 of Dad College. My name is Cam Brennan, and I'm joined across the lovely interweb uh, by the one and only Dave Hoke. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? I am doing... I'm doing all right. We are trying something brand new tonight. Um, we're doing a live hangout on uh, YouTube. So we're we're recording like we usually do, but we're streaming the whole process live. Um, so if anyone wants to, you know, see behind the scenes, as it were, uh, what two goofy guys look like when they talk into microphones. Uh, yes, couple of faces for radio. Hey, now, I happen to think I'm very mediocre looking. Thank you very much, especially with this scraggly beard I got going on right now. Anyways, now what I need to figure out is how I open. Oh, there's chat. There we go. Just in case anyone decides to chat with us there. But also, uh, the best way to chat with us while we do this live show is on our Slack, which you can find out about if you go to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash super megacorp all one word you'll find out all about the rewards and how you get in on our slack to uh, hang out with uh, other people that listen to this show and the other shows on the super megacorp podcast network but enough business dave this is dad college this is a show about being really 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 good at being a dad right we don't really have a slogan we need something better than that (laughs) Yeah, doing our best at being a dad. That's pretty accurate, I'd say. So, <laughs> my kid, my dear, lovely, almost two-year-old daughter, will not sleep, Dave. Oh, no. I feel like this is a theme on this show. She didn't take a nap today. This is the third day in the last eight days where she hasn't napped. So, uh, four o'clock till seven or eight is just meltdown city. Uh-huh. Because she's so tired that all she can do is scream and cry. <laughs> plus, plus she got the cold that Meredith had. Oh, no. So she's snotty. To be, so it's just, this is like my refuge for the evening. She finally fell asleep at like seven o'clock, which is the earliest she's fallen asleep in a really long time, even though that should like be totally normal for her. <laughs> so like we like kind of didn't know what to do. And that's why I lost track of time. And you sent me that text message at 735. <laughs> I was like, oh. And my hands were still wet from doing the dishes. Like, So that's kind of where my head is at as we enter uh, this episode. But um, we are going to spend uh, the rest of this episode talking about um, sort of the chaos that can become your kid's schedule, especially like when the kids multiply and there's like two, three, four, five of them. Yep. And they're, they're of the age where... Uh, events are happening, whether it be sports or school events or club events or church events or hanging out with friends or trips or, you know, all of the stuff that so easily can clog your calendar. And I know my kids only like two, but this has already started to happen with us for like library play groups and mops and uh, hope at home and uh, some other group that like Meredith has, I think like three or four days a week, something going on with Kennedy. Uh, swimming lessons at night. I take her to swimming lessons at, on Tuesday evenings. She has in two weeks gone from barely sitting on the stairs to um, jumping off the side of the pool. Oh, wow. She's still very cautious. And apprehensive. She doesn't like, yeah, she's very apprehensive because like she realizes if I let go of dad, I'm done for. <laughs> but she's at least 
pushing the uh, the boundaries of what she's comfortable with. But like even at this early age, I can already see the the calendar creep happening of things just filling the calendar so where like you don't have time at home. And as someone who's you know gone through this, you know almost two complete times with you know uh, Olivia being a senior now and then will be. I mean, you're almost in a few years, you're going to be three for three on getting kids from, you know, all the way through high school. Um, and I know you guys are busy. Yep. Um, and so I guess I'm starting to feel the pressure or the, um, the stress of having to like actually schedule things out and you've already been there and you're in the thick of it still. So, uh, I'm hoping that this topic can help people in my boat. Um, but also give someone in your boat the opportunity to, you know, kind of share what you did, what worked, what didn't work. Um, you know, if you would do things differently, how you would do it, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think that we, we were too busy uh, and we still continue to be uh, too busy. Uh, so I don't, I don't even want to begin to pretend like I have an answer um, for how to do that. Um, I definitely think parenting and, and this topic in particular is one of those things of, uh, I think you just figure it out. Um, I'm also of the opinion that while being too busy or busy can be a frustrating, uh, experience, I think not having your kids involved is also a, is, is probably more dangerous than being too busy. Uh, your kids having too much free time, too much downtime, uh, is not a good thing. Uh, cause that is certainly where, um, the things that I, I think that's where you, you get in trouble. I, I really do. Uh, so I, I, I am a big advocate for kids being involved with things, but you definitely have to work at keeping a balance with that. And I think that's easier. I think that is much easier said uh, than done. So my parents, uh, they kind of took it to the extreme. I think we were, uh, we were required to go to school. We were required to go to church on Sundays. We were required to go to youth group, whatever night of the week that was. And then I was required to have a job once I was old enough. And then I was allowed to do one extracurricular activity that was organized. So be it sports or a club or whatever. So I wasn't allowed to do like say soccer and boy Scouts. I had to choose one and I chose uh, soccer, but I mean, that was, and there was three kids. We weren't allowed to do travel sports either. So we couldn't do any club sports. We couldn't do any travel. It, ha it all had to be local. Um, and so like we were really restricted in what our, you know, organized activities were allowed to be outside of school, church, and youth group. Um, mm -hmm. Which one, it allowed me to work, which was good because, you know, I needed money for like, you know, buying guitars and stuff like that because they're not cheap. Um, yeah. But it too, it also like let me get most of my homework done when I actually wanted to do it. And it let me have fun and hang out with friends and have a social life, you know? Um, so there were benefits to it for sure. But in the moment, 
it really sucked when I wanted to do a lot of stuff and my parents just kept saying no. And that was really tough. I think it was harder on me than it was on my sisters, but that's also probably just based on me knowing the full depth of how I dealt with it and not really being around. I was off in college when they both went through all that because they're so much younger than me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it could have sucked equally or worse for them. I'm just totally unaware of it. Yeah. We, as parents, we definitely, as the kids got older, uh, there was a, you have to pick what it is that you're going to do. Now, I will say that when they were younger, and I'll, I'll, I'll basically say elementary school. In elementary school, there's kind of this trying to figure out what it is that you want to do. And so both of our daughters had multiple experiences in terms of uh, Caroline did dance. She did voice lessons. Uh, she was very much our performer. Uh, she did do taekwondo for a while. She did basketball for a while. Um, and then Olivia is more of our, our athlete and she, uh, played, uh, soccer. She played volleyball. And for a while there, she was doing both soccer and volleyball on like, uh, not so much travel teams, but it was like a competitive team. And, um, as they get older, you really kind of, I think it's wise to pick something that you're good at now, or you're good at that you choose to, to focus on. So like, but even in that, uh, you know, when Olivia, uh, decided to focus on soccer, she still went out for the, the school volleyball team. And, you know, um, so I think, I think there's definitely uh, a need when they're younger, to allow them to experiment and to try a lot of, I'm not even going to say a lot, try more than one thing and kind of figure it out what it is that they want to do and give them that freedom to uh, say, this is for me. This is not for me. Uh, I think that's, that's quite okay. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, you know, when I was a kid, um, the good thing about sports is like, there's different seasons, you know? So you can try, soccer you can Mm -hmm. try baseball you can try basketball you can try in my instance i wanted to be an ice hockey player i grew up in detroit and it was in my my entire childhood through essentially college was when the red wings were just the premier sports franchise it's like (laughs) them and them and them and the patriots really but the patriots weren't until the 2000s so like the the 90s was all like for 20 years I think 23 or 24 years, they made the playoffs in a row. They uh-huh. won multiple stand- Like So like hockey was what I wanted to do. I was obsessed with it, but my parents wouldn't let me play ice hockey because especially as a kid, you're buying new equipment every year because you grow out of it. Yeah. And you have to pay for practice because you have to rent the rink. So every practice costs you 30 bucks. Every game costs you 30 bucks. Every year costs you $1,200 in equipment. My parents were like, you can play street hockey but there's no way on this planet you're playing ice hockey because it was too expensive. Um, yeah. But I got, to, I got to experiment. I got to play one year little league and I never played again <laughs> because there's not much on this planet. I'm worse at than baseball. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Um, but to your point, like as a young kid, there's so many opportunities even throughout the course of one year to be able to try different stuff. Right. While not having it necessarily coincide with like Monday is basketball, Tuesday is volleyball, Wednesday is curling, you know, Thursday is sewing class. Like 
there are families I know that are like that. Um, and that's their choice. Um, but yeah, I think to your point as a young kid, it's, it's important as a parent to expose your kid to as much as possible, especially things that they're not comfortable with as long as they're safe, obviously, you know, like sprinting across the highway, probably not a good thing to involve your kid in, but like (laughs) if your kid is apprehensive about playing a sport, but shows interest is just nervous. Like it's a really good opportunity for you to push your kid to try something and to get them used to doing your, not even used to, but to get them to do something out of their comfort zone to gain the experience of being uncomfortable yeah, and knowing that yeah. like, a lot of life's going to be uncomfortable. And if you can, if you can manage to kind of get back on the horse a few times at a young age, that's only going to be good for you. But then to your point, as you, you know, as you get older, I think it makes total sense to kind of like the funnel, you know, start out wide and then work your way kind of deeper and narrower into the stuff that you really enjoy, the stuff that, and it's not even necessarily the stuff that you're good at. It's the stuff that you enjoy. I think like my sister, my youngest sister did swim team in in high school. She was awful. (laughs) I'm just not, just not good. She just, she's not athletically gifted in really any way. And I'm not trying to be mean. She's just not, but she loved swimming, mm-hmm. just loved it. And so she swam in high school on the swim team and had a great time, was always in the last heat of every race, as far as I'm aware. And she didn't give a rip. She went out there, she did her <laughs> thing. She had a great time. She loved her teammates. She had like, she just, everything about it, she loved. And the fact that she wasn't fast didn't bother her. That's cool. And especially as like a high school teenage girl to oh, be, yeah. that, to be like, screw it. I'm just going to do what I want. Like, that's a huge, that's a huge sign of like character and self, you know, self worth that she had in herself of like, I don't care. I like this. I'm going to do it. It's fun. Yep. Um, you all can be super competitive. I'm just going to, you know, and she would push herself. Like she was competitive with herself to, to do better and to get better and improve her times. But like, she knew she wasn't going to state, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that's what you're saying there is a big part of all that is part of exposing your kids to multiple different things is to help them find that, which they enjoy doing. And as a parent, again, it's about being involved. It's about paying attention to who your kid is and, and steering them to those things. And, um, saying, you know, you are good at this. So, so, you know, maybe this should be a priority over this, but if it's not what they find they don't enjoy it, then there's no see, there's no reason to be, to be pushing it towards that. Uh, you know, I know another thing that we have experienced as parents is this idea of getting a scholarship because of the, to, to college, um, as a part of what it is that you do. And, um, you know, fortunately for us, Olivia falls into that category and that, she'll get to play uh, soccer at an NAIA school and uh, it will help pay for her college. But I don't recommend that as a motivation for why you choose what you do. Uh, if it, if it works out that way, uh, wonderful. Uh, I know that's another thing that can be a, a big factor in why kids have, or why parents have their kids doing activities is the whole uh, college resume. And if you want to get into college, you have to have all these activities, um, that you can point to that you were involved in. And, 
you know, if your kids has a high capacity for those things, then let them do. But if they don't have a high capacity, then I would not recommend pushing uh, that way. And even if they do have that high capacity, helping them navigate a balance between rest, work and play. Yeah. Uh, to that point, I was never, uh, going to get an athletic scholarship. Um, <laughs> me I'm, either. I, I wasn't, well, I wasn't unathletic, but I was, I was exceedingly average at a lot of stuff. Not bad, mm. not great, serviceable, except for baseball. Truly awful. <laughs> truly, truly awful. Um, but academics was always something that I was, you know, above average at. And my sisters are both excellent at. Um, they were both straight A students. My sister got an academic scholarship to Caltech, which is the number one school on the planet. Wow. So I I didn't. I, I didn't care about school enough to get that. And it drove my <laughs> it drove my parents crazy. They're like, you could be a straight A student. You should be a straight A student. And I was like, I don't want to be because that means I don't get to, you know, play soccer, go to youth group, work and hang out with friends. Yeah. Like I don't get to do those things if all I'm doing is homework all the time. And right. I figured out early on, I could ace the tests, get like a B minus on my homework and still pull an A minus or a B plus depending on the class. And so like, I figured out how to game the system as like a freshman, <laughs> which drove my parents crazy. But like <laughs> he, he, the, the, the point of the story is that uh, when it was time to graduate, I was eligible to be part of the National Honor Society, mm-hmm. which is, I don't think is a big deal. I think it's like, I thought it was so stupid. You get like an extra tassel or like rope thing around your neck and you get like, oh, you're part of the National Honor Society. I'm I'm like 20% of the kids in the country are part of this. Like it didn't, (laughs) the the whole like elitist, like, oh, I'm an NHS scholar or whatever. It's like, it just, everything about it pushed me the wrong way. And and it's not something that like you achieve the, the grade point or whatever, but then you have to like fill out an application and do all this extra crap just to get an extra corridor around your neck and like a little piece of paper that says, Hey, guess what? You're part of the national honor society. I was like either. So that part annoyed me too, is like I earned it, but then I have to go do this extra work just to jump through the hoops you want me to jump through so I can wear your stupid cord. I said, I'm not doing it. I I refuse to do it. (laughs) This is like everything about this goes against like everything that I believe, like this is so dumb. This is like elitism for elitism's sake. I can't even handle this. I'm I'm not doing it. It made my mom crazy. So she <laughs> she tried to fill out the application for me. <laughs> I knew and, you were gonna say that. And tried to sneak it in the night before it was due. That's funny. But she couldn't get a few pieces of information that only I knew. Or there's there was there was something some. I, the exact details escaping my mind. Cause it's been, you know, 15, 14 years. Um, but there was something that she didn't know and couldn't figure out to get the application in. And when I found out I was just, <laughs> Oh, I went out of my mind. I was so upset, which even vindicated my decision to not do the NHS even more because right. I was, you know, an angsty teenager. And it's like, Ooh, my mom went behind my back. Oh, you know, she wasn't like reading my diary. Like it's just on the, on the, the list of things your parents could do to like violate your privacy. That was so minuscule, but it just, because of the situation, it triggered me so hard. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, to the point 
I guess that was my one way of relating to the parents trying to force kids to do things they don't want to do or, or shouldn't. I don't know. Hopefully that's story related, but of, of what not to do as a parent. <laughs> Love you, mom. Yeah. Okay. Well, she doesn't listen. And, it's fine. And that's, I think that's the, the big thing is, is really ask your about yourself. What is your motivation for why it is you're doing what you're doing and encouraging your kid to do? And I certainly am not implying that there shouldn't be some of that. Cause there are times when a parent should be pushing their kid to be better, to achieve more, to challenge themselves. Uh, cause we all need that at different times in life, but boy, if you're putting that pressure on there because you want them to go to a certain school or get scholarships or whatever that may be, I just think that, uh, there's kind of a point of, of diminishing returns on that. And that, uh, knowing that you love them and that, that you support them is far more important than, um, what they achieve, uh, especially as a child. Um, and you know, the, the other thing that I've just, I've seen so many kids do is, um, excel at a sport through high school, do a year or two in college, and then just absolutely be burned out by the time they get to that point. Yep. And that's not worth it either. Yeah. It, it becomes a, not even like a job, job's too nice of a word. It becomes a burden mm-hmm. and everything that they once enjoyed about that sport is just replaced with you know dread or stress or um you know anger even in some situations um i had a buddy in college and you'll have to forgive me if i've shared this story before he uh he was offered football scholarships at um two big schools in michigan one of them being eastern michigan university which is a division 1 ncaa football program mm-hmm. um and he didn't play college football. He had, he had the opportunity to play big time ball and just decided to walk away from the game yep. and never played a single down of football after high school. And I didn't understand it because I was the kid he ragdolled in practice <laughs> to get ready for the actually good players. Um, and I wanted to be as good as he was. He was all right. state. He started he was offensive starting guard and defensive uh, tackle starting both sides. The only, the only plays he was not in the f- game for were field goals and kickoffs and punts. Other than that, he was on the field for every play in high school. And I was jealous and then he, I, I got to watch him get offered what was my dream playing, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he was just like, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I never understood it. Until I, I still don't understand it, but the way you just put it there uh, of just like, there's so much pressure on them to do well, to get the scholarship. And I think he saved himself probably a year or two of just, I don't know if pain's the right word, but just, you know, unhappiness because he didn't mm-hmm. want, he didn't want to play anymore. Right. And so I think, you know, in hindsight, it was probably a really wise choice for him to just say, I'm just going to focus on, you know, what I want my career to be not, not have to deal with a nagging injury the rest of my life because some big 10, you know, offensive tackle breaks my leg when I'm playing at the big house. The one time I get to like, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And especially in a game like football, but it was really hard for me to watch him walk away from what I wanted 
like totally selfishly, sure. but you think about it now, you're like, that's yeah, probably actually a really smart move. He's health. He he's, he's healthy. He didn't, you know, have to deal with the rigors of academics and division one sports. Like, you know, I think it would have been different right. if he got a scholarship offer to Michigan where you're going to play in a ton of meaningful football games. Eastern Michigan was, whew. it's still division one football, but you're, right. you're, you're everybody's, uh, we're going to win that game. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, as, as you were talking, I kind of had a thought of maybe what do you do if you have a kid who doesn't show any interest in being involved in anything? You know, uh, I hadn't considered that either, but that is a very good question. And I feel like a much more common question than I would probably initially think. I yeah. think there's probably a lot of parents out there that wish they could get their kids involved in stuff. Right. Um, I don't know, Dave. I mean, I'm going to have to let you run with this one because I don't know. I never had that problem. Not even a problem. That's the wrong way to phrase it. I was always interested in doing stuff like this is a hobby for us. This is something we do for fun. Like clearly we don't have the, <laughs> we don't have the problem of finding things to do. We learned how to record and audio edit and live stream. Like we know how to fill our time with, with things that we like. Um, but like, do, do you have, do you have history with this either you know, like with your kids or friends that you had growing up or like maybe a family friends that have gone through this that you could maybe speak to or. So I, while I don't have specific examples in terms of my life or even family, but I, at being a police officer, it's one of the things that I would say I see in terms of kids that are getting in trouble is they don't seem to have that place where they connect. And I like, kind of as, as, like I mentioned when we were introducing this topic, is, is I do think uh, that it's important for kids to be involved. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. And would I, I, so if your kid is not, if you're truly at the point where you have to tell their, your child that they have to do something, I think I would be inclined to say at the very least, you're going to learn to play an instrument. Now, I don't care what it is that you're going to play, and we will support you wholeheartedly in whatever you choose, but you need to choose an instrument that you are going to learn how to play. And I, I don't even, I, well, I do know. I, th I think music is a good thing. Cause that's one thing I, I don't know music. I can't read sheet music. I've never learned to play an instrument. Uh, so maybe this is a little bit of me living vicariously through others and I can give you advice that I didn't even follow, but I, I, it's I, never I, too I late. From, Dave. It's never too late. This is true. This is true. Maybe I'll learn the piano. All this that year. spare time you have. Yeah. <laughs> All the undone projects that I have around here, including this room. So um, but yeah, I, 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 I think I'd be inclined to start with, um, saying you need to find a musical instrument and learn it. And if that's absolutely not your child's thing, then tell them they got to, they need to find something that they're going to invest their time in. And, uh, because like you said, I think there's an element of when you're part of playing sports, 
when you're involved with social groups, uh, you learn some of those nuances of just being a contributing member of society that we all need those experiences. And that includes failing. That includes not doing it well and either kind of saying, well, I'm not good at that. So I'm going to move on to the next thing, or I'm going to persevere. You know, I'm not good at it, but I I like it. I'm sort of interested in it. uh, So I'm going to persevere through it because really either way you, you, you just learn from that. And being a blob on the couch and watching TV is, uh, uh, or playing video games or, you know, being on some sort of screen, I don't think really helps you to become, um, you know, the term that I always use is a contributing member of society. Um, I hope I'm not placing too much value on that, but uh, I think we should all contribute. I, I agree. I will say that video games now are different than they were when me and you were younger. There's a much more communal aspect to a lot of them. Some of those communities are totally toxic and oh, really? awful, but some yeah. of them are a ton of fun and are ways for kids that may have trouble um, face-to-face social anxiety type of stuff, meet people and build social skills through playing cooperatively with other people Um, like a game like Fortnite, for example, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, just this massive thing that community tends to be really good. Uh, I can't tell you the amount of times I've played a game with complete strangers and have laughed the entire time and and had such a fun time knowing that I'm very average and (laughs) it's okay. Like we're all just there to have fun. And you get to meet, you know, I've played games with 12 year olds. I've played games with dudes that are 10 years older than me. I've played games with ladies. Like you just have fun. And if you die, you die. Whoop to do. You go play again. Um, as opposed to when I was growing up, video games was me in a room by myself playing Mario with right. no interaction. Um, but I will say there is value in learning to create something, to make something new. Um, there's value oh, in absolutely. it. There's value in it because you get to express yourself. You get the the pleasure and the joy of building and making something. And whether it's you know really bad or really good or somewhere in between, like it's still your thing. And so whether that's learning an instrument or whether that's learning a language or whether that's learning how to uh, program or design on a computer or that's you know building something cooperatively in Minecraft with friends on a server, like that, that sort of thing takes on a new, um, a new flavor nowadays, just with the, what, what technology allows you to do remotely. But I mean, I, as a musician, I would, I would want everyone to learn music at some point, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It can be, uh, learning how to do different language. It can be, uh, art, uh, painting or drawing or, 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 um, scripting it can be all sorts of other things um you know learning spanish is a really good idea learning mandarin is probably a really good idea <laughs> um just based on how the world economy is going and how things in this country are going so like there are options for parents and with the onset of technology they're not all necessarily expensive or um out of reach uh, there's an app called Duolingo for the uh, for mm-hmm. iOS that will teach you 
for free languages. Wow. I started doing it for German a while ago and then German got real hard and I stopped. Um, <laughs> but like if, if you want to learn Spanish and you can't take it at school for whatever reason, um, that's a free alternative. Even if you're using it on a seven-year-old iPad you got off eBay for $25, that's a cheap way for you to learn how to do something Yeah, um, that's going to benefit you in the long term. So there's, there's just opportunities if you look for them and get creative about like, okay, I don't have a ton of money. I don't have a lot of resources. I don't have a lot of connections that are going to help my kid in this area, but I do want them to learn an instrument. I do want them to learn, uh, you know, a language. Well, you don't have to necessarily have an instrument to learn music. If you can get access to a computer, even a really, really cheap one, you can get free music software and your kid can learn music theory and notes and chords and learn how to play the piano digitally. Wow. So they may not have the physical ability to play Rachmaninoff, you know, on an 88 key <laughs> grand piano, but they know how to produce digital music, which is 80% of what you hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. So there's just, there are ways to think about and opportunities to get around the restrictions you may have. And if, and if music is out the window and language is out the window, then maybe they learn how to do something with their hands work on cars, fix electronics, tinker with stuff um, that you can get out of a trash heap or get at a, you know, at a swap meet or a flea market. Yeah. How to repair stuff. That one, it's good because it takes up time Two, It's a skill to be able to fix stuff. Dave's Dave, you're a handyman. You like, you can, you know, your way around a car upside down, left and right, all that stuff. I don't, it's a skill I don't have that would come in handy quite a bit since my car is super old, <laughs> but like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm beating a dead horse at this point. I think I've made my point. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny cause you mentioned the, the mechanical stuff and I know for me, I took everything apart that I could possibly take apart when I was a kid. I was fascinated by how things work and I drove my mom crazy <laughs> taking things apart. And so, uh, when your kid does that, you know, it's, they're not being destructive. I, it, it really, I, I mean, I love taking things apart and I didn't always get them back together, uh, you know, after the fact, but I was curious as to how things work and I eventually learned, um, how to fix them. And I remember as, so it was before I turned 10, cause we still lived in Des Moines, Iowa. I actually took a, um, a bicycle repair class because I kept taking bikes apart and drove my mom crazy. And one of the things that I learned in this class was, um, you know, on a pedal bike, when you go backwards and you actually put on the brakes, Mm -hmm. there are actual brakes within the crankshaft that can be replaced. And before I was even 10 years old, I learned how to do that. So I didn't even know a bike had a crankshaft. Yeah. So the, the, between the two pedals is a crank and then they're, they're actually little. Oh, and that's what um, stops the pedals from. Yeah. But there's actually little discs. I don't even know that disc is the right word. There's, there's little pieces in there 
that, you know, when you reverse the direction, they actually, you know, friction is created and they lock down on each other. And that's where the braking uh, comes in. And, um, mm. yeah, not that you would really ever need to replace them, but when I was a kid, I learned how to do that. So, <laughs> so if you got a kid that enjoys taking things apart, uh, start figuring out how you can encourage that. And it's like Cam said, maybe it's, it's going to the salvage yard. Maybe it's buying old things and letting them take it apart. Maybe it's, you know, encouraging them to do Legos or something like that, uh, that, that, um, allows them to learn how things work and take things apart, even if they can't get them back together again. For sure. I guess the other thing I would say is on the flip side of this is if your kid has boundless energy, just bouncing off the walls, can't seem to, you know, get a, get a hold of them, then I would strongly, obviously sports, but like something like, gymnastics or dance or track or swim that's just going to zap all their energy or or cause them to focus incredibly hard like dave i don't know what your background in dance is i'm sure you you're a mean (laughs) flamenco dancer no i hate dancing um but like the amount of focus it requires to to remember the moves and the choreography and, and all the details much like in gymnastics um and even martial arts can be that way. Exactly. And that's if, if, you know, your kid is too macho to dance, then martial arts is a great way. Because the other thing too is on top of the physical um, stress and exertion, there's the mental side of remembering it, but there's also the inherent mm-hmm. discipline of yep. martial arts and doing things correctly and doing them on time and doing them the right way. And, you know, being a part of something bigger than yourself. Uh, plus it's self-defense, which never hurts. Um, nope. So there, there, there are non-sport options for kids that just have a lot of energy and there's, you know, especially like little boys, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of energy as long as you're willing as a parent to let them, <laughs> to let them burn it off so that they're not doing it, you know, at a funeral or during church, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. My, my mother-in-law said she used to make, when my brother-in-law would get home from school before Meredith was still really young and he was super, 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 super excited to see her. She'd make him run like five or six laps around the backyard (laughs) full speed before he was even allowed in the house. Yeah. Because he was just so over the moon to see the baby and like, you know, four-year-old boys, five-year-old boys don't really understand, you know, that a baby's fragile. So she would just make him sprint like a madman for like five five or six laps around the yard until he like was, you know, sucking wind. Okay. Now you can come in. Here's some water. Sit down. I know you're tired. Now you can hold the baby, uh, you know? Yeah. So just clever little stuff like that. Just knowing your kid and encouraging the behavior when it's correct and giving them an outlet for it. Um, but again, back to our original point of this whole show is not letting, not letting the activities dictate your life. Um, Definitely. We, my, my dad always liked to take our vacations in the fall. When we, when we went on vacation, we generally went in the fall instead of the summer. And in Michigan, school always started after Labor Day. So, you know, we would take our vacations late September, early October, which meant we missed school. And his reason was 
it's just prettier in the fall. The leaves are changing colors. The weather is nicer. It's just generally more pleasant that time of year. So why would we not take advantage of that and go somewhere pretty or exciting? And he did not let the fact that school is happening, that sports were happening, dictate our life. He dictated this is when we're going to go because it's the best time for us to go. And it made my teachers crazy. They'd always laugh at him like, you're kidding me, right? Because he would ask for the homework (laughs) ahead of time so we could do our homework while we were gone. We would come back, have all of our homework. If we had to take a test early, we would. Like He was willing to work with the teachers far more often than they were willing to work with us because they thought it was ludicrous that we were leaving school for a week or a week and a half, you know, a month into the school year. Um, But, and that's not to say my parents did everything perfectly, certainly not. But that was a, a case in which my dad said, time is a family is more important and we will dictate when it happens instead of what, you know, the schedule says is going to happen. Um, and that's an extreme example, obviously, but there are ways as parents to guard family time or to guard just downtime for your kid. Like the amount of, the amount of high schoolers and college kids I work with at the coffee shop that were just burnt out like beyond zero because of school and work and sports and family stuff. It's like they were just all running on empty. And I'm like, you need to cut stuff out. And like, if that means you work six hours less a week, just so you can sleep an extra two hours every other night, you know what? That's fine. Figure out a way to spend 60 less bucks every two weeks or whatever the math shakes out to be. But yeah, I think as parents, it's, it's a twofold thing. It's, it's encouraging our kids to get out there and to try stuff and to find out what they like and what they're good at and what they enjoy. But it's also the, the opposite side of that coin is protecting their time and their energy and their ability to, to be able to relax and to stay healthy. And, you know, that's mentally as well as, as physically and, and emotionally. Um, and that, that's, that's a juggling act. Like that's spinning a lot of plates and. Mm-hmm. You know, you add to that multiple kids if that's the case. And then all of a sudden you need someone to protect your schedule and your time and your mental, you know, energy. Um, and so you just think about like single parents that have multiple kids and it's, it makes absolute sense that it's just, it seems like there's never going to be an end to it. And the amount of stress that's there, especially if money's an issue on top of that, it's you know, as someone who's just getting into this whole parenting thing, it really is eye-opening to think about what could be, you know, and sure how blessed I am to, you know, to be married and to be near family and not to make it about me. That's not, that's not what it is, but it just really is. If you sit down and think about all of the ways in which a person can be pulled in multiple directions, uh, you know, maybe guarding your schedule and your kid's schedule is a really good choice in the long run. Yes. So in all this, where, so like how important is church to me or to other people? I don't know. I, I guess to you, um, but, uh, to me, it's very important. Um, you know, as, as someone who is a Christian, and who wants to continue to grow uh, 
in, you know, in my knowledge of God and my knowledge of scripture and in the way that those change my life and how I treat other people. Um, and, and what matters to me and what I place value on, uh, being at church on a regular consistent basis to me is just a way to remind myself of what is really important. Uh-huh. And it's not church attendance for church attendance sake. It's, it's a time to just kind of be in a place where I can focus on what I, what I know is true um, what I know is right. And then let that kind of dictate the rest of, of, of my week. It's, it's not like I go to church looking like church isn't the pinnacle. Like, Oh, I'm at church to me is kind of like the sending off point. If that makes sense. Sure. It's like the beginning of the week, not the end of the week. If if you want to think of it that way. Yeah. Um, at least that's how I try to think of it. You know, obviously life happens and, you know, stress can be something that can blind you to what's important, but that's kind of how I want to approach it. Um, and I want that for my family as well. But I would say that the church can definitely become just a part of that busyness oh, just as much as, yeah, as the sports you've got, and the other you've things. You've got to be at church on Sunday. And if you're a good Christian, you'll go to a morning Bible study and a life group and your kids <laughs> will be in you. And they're all different nights and different days. Yeah. The, the church calendar issue is something that I've been trying. I've honestly been thinking about this for years and how do we crack that nut? Because yeah. it's just as bad as a school schedule. It is. And, and I find for me personally, it's, it's always been a balance of, I want to get involved, but it seems like as soon as I do, you, you can never just do one thing. It's like, as soon as you say yes to one thing, you start getting, multiple commitments and multiple asks. And, um, and again, I, I don't completely want to go down this road, but my point being is, is church can be as much a part of our busyness as the soccer and those other things. And yeah, it needs to have its proper place in all of that. Yeah. And I'll just say this quickly. I think there's, there's a few issues with that is that the church is Somehow always understaffed and by understaffed, I mean, under volunteered, um, there mm-hmm. always need more people. And I don't know if that's because of overreach or, or what. So there's that problem. So once they get their claws on you for one thing, then they're going to try and milk you and then they just wind up burning people out. And so it's like, instead of having like a healthy cycle of, of volunteers and like everyone works like one every five or six Sundays and you know, you have people that work every Sunday for two years and then never go to church again. Right. And so there's like this, there's like this catch 22 of like, we need people. We don't have enough people. So we're going to overuse the people we have. And then by the time we get new people, those people all leave because well, we worked them to the bone. Um, And so I guess like the magic, you know, the unicorn as it were of, of church is like getting enough people to volunteer at a very, very sustainable rate. Mm-hmm. So that no one feels burnt out, but people feel plugged in and then you can actually take the time to like build into their lives and get to know them. And, and it's not about asking for one more thing. It's like, Hey, you just want to like go grab a cup of coffee or Hey, you want to watch the baseball game or right. Hey, let's, let's have your kids over and we'll, we'll roast s'mores in the backyard. Like that's way better than 
please, dear God, teach the second grade Sunday school class, please, please, please. <laughs> also, can you lead worship and the uh, the Spanish class needs a teacher too? Can you do that? Thanks. All right, bye. <laughs> but anyways, that's yes, not what this show is about. That's just me. Uh, here you commenting. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I would just say is is that um, I think church should be a priority, but it is okay uh, to have a soccer game on Sunday. I think it's okay for uh, other things to be done at, in those times. Now, it shouldn't be all the time, but uh, church should be a priority. And then the other thing I think is okay, which it's funny to see people's response when they hear this from me of, um, I don't make my kids go to church every time I go. And I've, I've had parents ask me on a Sunday morning, well, where's, you know, where's Caroline? Where's Olivia? Well, they're sleeping in and I'll get a look like, Oh, you're letting your kid not oh, go to church. You're one of those. Yeah. And you know what? That's okay. God will judge it's, you. <laughs> it's okay to give your kids a Sunday off. So, well, I did not expect much to talk about church this episode, but I suppose it makes total sense. Yeah. All right. I think so. Uh, any, uh, any other thoughts, Dave? Yeah. I, th- I think my biggest thought is just, um, check in with your kids and make sure that they're doing what they're in, in wanting to do and give them that freedom as a child to switch gears and I know sometimes that's going to be tough if you spent a bunch of money on hockey equipment or, you know, something along those lines. Uh, but it's like Cam said earlier, they're eventually going to outgrow it anyway. <laughs> and it's okay to move on from that financial investment because it's really not about the money. It's about helping your kid uh, really be who God created them to be and be the best individual that they were intended to be. And that, um, as we all know, that takes some exploration and sometimes some failure and some just uh, saying, no, that's not me and I shouldn't be spending my time doing that. So give your kids that permission. Agreed. Well, this was about 30 minutes longer than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. how It always goes by. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for listening. For those of you uh, that popped in on the live stream, thanks for doing that. And if you want to get any show notes for this show, once it goes live on um, our podcast feed, you can go to supermegacorp.net slash dadcollege slash two two. You can find Dave on Twitter at David J. Hogue. I'm at Cam Brennan. Our email is hello at supermegacorp.net and Patreon is patreon.com slash supermegacorp. All of those links are at the show notes. So if you're listening on your mobile device slide around you'll find the show notes somewhere um and if you're listening on your computer well you've already found our website so there you go and um well i think until next time uh that's gonna do it man we appreciate you listening bye bye